0: 706. Oh, I love that music. You know what time it is? Time for Ira on Sports 959 True Oldies Channel. Mike and Sean here as well, and boy, do we have a big show on tap for you. Ira's all decked out in his US Open gear. You know we're going to be talking about golf. What an exciting Sunday yesterday. I was on the edge of my seat all afternoon, and we've got plenty to discuss uh, with the crew here, as well as Scott Deal, our professional golfer, joining us in just a couple of minutes. But uh, Ira, will kick it off like we do every week. Where have you been besides watching golf? <laughs> well,
1: I was watching golf all this week. Uh, I certainly, I think about 12 hours a day. I think, yeah, 60, right? I, think I got about 60 hours of watching Tiger. And, and and the fun thing is the PGA Tour had a Tiger-only channel, which just followed Tiger mm-hmm. the as a feature group so literally that's what i was i had two t i had two lap my laptop and my my, uh, ipad and my phone and was watching just tiger on the ipad the entire time
0: it's um it it was definitely an amazing day of golf even you know my girlfriend was at the edge of her seat doesn't like golf but it was just so exciting and you know tiger really looked amazing if it wasn't for brooks kepka just having ice in his veins i think he might have got a win we'll talk about that in just a minute but i I really think this was the best sunday we've seen all
1: year (laughs) of course it was great it was tremendous and We got football Sundays coming up. But I was thinking of flying to St. Louis for it because I had a friend who had tickets for me and we're going to go. But on seeing the crowds on Saturday, I just didn't think, and people were telling me it was almost impossible to follow him. And I was afraid to go there and not be able to watch Tiger. So it was like, until if I went like on a Wednesday or Thursday and sort of mapped it out like I do at Honda, the Players, Genesis, to sort of feel my way around, I was afraid to just go there on Sunday cold and I would just be watching nothing. Was it just because of the amount of people there? The amount of people. It's an older golf course. They didn't have a lot of walkways. It's It's the same same problem that they had. But, I mean, the U.S. Open, I was able to follow everybody the whole time. But this is completely different.
0: Yeah, um, I did like the course, though. And they said that the fans and everyone were really good in St. Louis. Um, Let's bring in our good friend Scott Deal now, professional golfer. Scott, I know, um, you know, more than anybody else, you were probably glued to the edge of your seat as well yesterday, weren't you?
2: Oh, my gosh, man. I, I don't think I moved it from the couch for about six hours there. It was uh, it, it was it was one of the most fun days I've had watching golf since I think the 2008 uh, U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. And uh, yeah, that that was just—it's unbelievable to see how how much somebody can move the needle like Tiger did. Um, Ratings uh, up 69 percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah 69 percent more. Because of the crowd size, I mean, it's just—it's crazy to see. You know, somebody. I think they said TV viewership was up like almost 70 percent from yeah. last year. It's, just a fun, fun, fun weekend of golf, man, and, and uh you know he almost got it done. But we got to give a big congrats to to Brooks Brooks for, for winning the second major. um the, the kid's an unbelievable talent and an unbelievable athlete to uh, to be able to just nonchalantly go out there and just dominate like he did.
1: Well, Scott, this is Ira. I just uh, Brooks was tremendous because there was a circus. I think one time the commentator says it's the Tiger Circus, and. Everyone else seemed to not be able to play with the Tiger Circus going on, but Brooks as I saw at the u s Open, he seems my comparison to him is, a, is is a long distance runner that knows where his competitions are, puts it on his hip, stays a couple stroke uh, strides ahead, doesn't let him pass, but just keeps it he's, he's not running away he's not ten strokes or eight strokes ahead, and even he had trouble he was up he was going to go up four strokes and went back. but Brooks just stayed ahead and and, and swore, you know won the race what what give, what is so uh, what is his special character and qualities that just make him otherwise other, other player other golfers can't do that stays calm with all the circus going on
2: you know i, I kind of equate into to like a, a really good counter puncher um you know he, he's sitting there he's two groups behind tiger there's tens of thousands of people moving around the golf course and you know he even mentioned it when he was on eighth green, getting ready to putt and he heard that roar when tiger made birdie on nine um he said he didn't. He didn't know what he. He didn't know what happened, but he knew that Tiger birdied. You know, he just didn't know how. Obviously, because he couldn't see it. But what did he do? He just stood over the ball. He calmed himself. He made the putt. And um, and, and I think that's the kind of counterpunching that he did. He, he just never, like you said, with the long distance runner, he knows what the competition's doing. You can you can feel that energy out there. You know, um, whether you're you're fighting to make the cut on a Friday afternoon or you're trying to win the the biggest major or the last major of the year on Sunday afternoon, you, you, you got a feeling when you're out on the golf course that you know what you've got to get done. Um, and, and I think he just, he was able to just really focus in and keep it one shot at a time. And, and, um, and, and he, and he just got the job done. He never really let, he never really let anybody get close to him except that one stretch early in the front nine, uh, where I think Thomas Peters was, was, uh, and a couple other guys ended up tied for the lead when they were at like 12 or 13. Um, but he, he just kept hitting good golf shots, you know, and, yeah. and it's, um, as, as professional golfers and uh, high level amateurs, you know, we always talk about, yeah, we got to take it one shot at a time. And it it really sounds like a, uh, a repeat channel, you know, and you're just sitting there stuck on repeat with every single guy saying the same thing, but it's really what you got to do in the game of golf, no matter what level you're at, you know? And, and, um, Brooks just—he just—he just did it better than everybody else. He didn't miss a shot.
1: Before we turn to Tiger, I just another uh, another comparison of Brooks was that years ago when Federer and tennis broke into the scene, it was right at the end where Sampras had finished his 14th major, Agassi won his eighth major, and Federer's starting to win a couple majors, and people were like, "He's pretty good. He's a good. He's a good tennis player." No one thought he'd be at 20 and are we looking at Brooks Kepka as someone 10 years from now that's going to be at 10, 11 majors like they said Jordan Spieth was going to have? But, I mean, is this someone who, you know, these teams he won two major tournaments this year with the competition playing well, with Tiger there. 10 years from now, we look back, Tiger's going to be in his 50s. Is Brooks, who's going to be in his 30s at that time, mm. is he sitting at 10 major wins?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's... <laughs> it, I hate to be the Tiger hater here for just a minute, but, you know, we could be looking at a situation where in 2029, Brooks and Tiger are playing in the last round on Sunday at the PGA Championship, and they're battling it out where Tiger's still trying to win his 15th and Brooks is trying to win his 20th. (laughs) Uh, The the guy, he's a thick, thick athletic talent. He's got, you know, I think he proved that he's got not only the, the golf skills and the mental game, to get it done continuously uh, uh, at these massive events on the biggest stage in the world against, you know, arguably the, the best golfer uh, of all time. But he's also, he's got the athletic build and stamina and strength um, and he's young. I think he could be doing this for a long, long time. And and one thing I think that I, I really like about Brooks is he's not the guy that's really looking for the spotlight. He's not, Chasing the cameras around, he just doesn't, you know. Some people knock him for it, but he doesn't really care. He just wants to go out and do his thing and win, and you know, go home to his pretty girlfriend and have some fun. <laughs> um,
1: on Friday, on Friday, when Tiger, when the rain delay came, and I'm saying, oh, Tiger has no shot now. He's going to be forced to play uh, ten hole, twenty eight holes on Saturday. Uh, Tiger came back and, and had a good Saturday I mean he came back at 7 a.m and then but it, it didn't really affect him. Uh, where did you see him were you when the, the rain delay and what affected that rain delay do you believe had on the tournament?
2: So I, I think it really you know regardless Tiger did come back and he played well Saturday morning and then he played really well in the third round again. but I think that that Friday round of golf with the momentum he was having and the look in his eye, I mean, I think he could have shot 62 or 63 pretty easily the way he was hitting the ball, and, and that rain delay kind of killed the momentum a little bit for him. Um, you know, at the same time, he's played a lot of golf in the, last, in the last month, and a little break, you know, arguably could have given him some time to get some rehab work done and, and kind of get his body refreshed to where he could go out and play well for the next two and a half days.
1: And then on Sunday, Scott, when, when Tiger under the first nine holes was seven with out of the first seven fairways, can't hit the fairway, but he's still shooting two under. I, I mean, it's almost like that Mike or Sean could have gone out there and just hit a driver <laughs> and then say Tiger, take it from there. That's <laughs> um, so true. <laughs> but I, how how does it, how does in in, a, in the in the in the, the P.J. Championship Tiger not hit a fairway but still go two under in the first nine holes? Well,
2: it's it's, it's because he's Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, the guy, you know—he he's, he's, really is. He's the greatest player ever. Tiger's um, never—I don't think he was in an uncomfortable position not hitting fairways because he's—he's historically and statistically never been a really good driver of the golf ball. Um, I, I think that I—I I think that you know he would have had a much better chance at winning had he hit a few extra fairways throughout the week. Uh, you look at the strokes gained off the tee stats for the week. Brooks was. Uh, Plus 1.47, and Tiger was minus 0. 0.808. So I mean, there's you know a little over two shots right there, and that's that's the tail of the tournament in and of itself. With as long as that rough was, but but for Tiger to be missing fairways like that, he, he I think he's just you know able to draw on on past times where where he's never hit fairways and won and won huge tournaments and come from behind um and just been able to kind of block that out and and not uh worry about what's gonna happen. you know, I think a big thing in golf that um the best the best players in the world do better than a lot of uh everybody else i mean even other great players, just not the best is they they have already accepted all possible outcomes of the shot that they have hit before they pulled the trigger. So no matter where that ball goes, they've already accepted that anything could happen with it. All they could do is just try and hit the shot they're trying to hit, and then go up and just see what they can do from the next one. You know, it's that whole hit it, find it, and hit it again mentality. And uh, and I think when you can, when Tiger is in that mindset and he's so accepting and so ultra hyper focused on what he's got to do and the ultimate goal. You know, where he has to do it from on the second shot doesn't really matter anymore.
0: 717, this is Ira on Sports 95.9, the true oldies channel. Mike and Sean are here as well. We're speaking with professional golfer Scott Deal. Scott, you know this game better than anybody. And Tiger, you know, is in a little bit of a weird position on Sunday. Usually in the majors, he's the one being chased. He was the chaser. Obviously didn't get it done. Two shots off. Did you personally think that Tiger Woods was going to come back and win on Sunday?
2: Uh, yeah, I really did. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's just me really wanting him to do it because I'm a huge tiger fan. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I think I, I, I had that gut feeling on, on Sunday morning when they showed that clip of him walking through the parking lot with his hat on backwards and his sunglasses on in his red shirt. He just, he just looked like he was a man on a mission and he was ready to go. Uh, and, and I, I really did think he was going to get it done. Um, this that, I thought that I, I. also thought that Brooks was going to have to make a mistake. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think I didn't think Brooks was going to have to make two or three mistakes. But he, if, if Brooks had made one little falter there, I think Tiger would have gotten it done. Um. And, and again, you know, I the the 17th hole really killed him. Uh, he three putted it on Saturday afternoon, and then he hit his tee shot into the hazard and had to kind of just punch it out. Luckily, he found his ball there and was able to advance it, but. That 17th hole, when you look at the at the scores throughout the, through the tournament, I mean, everybody at the top of the leaderboard birdied 17 three out of four days. And, and Tiger making two pars on the weekend there uh, really kind of crushed it for him. But, but Tiger looks like he, with the way he played this week, the way he played at the Open Championship, uh, even the way he played at the Bridgestone, I mean, he looks like he's going to win uh, not just once or twice again, but he's going to win a lot in the next five to ten years.
1: Scott, you mentioned about 17, the par five. And on Saturday, he was putting for Eagle. I mean, he had a legitimate shot. If he makes that wow. eagle there, he's gonna be at ten under in before Adam Scott. So he would play played with Kepka for that final round. What that difference what difference do you think it would be? I think I know the answer, but what would have been cool to have Kepka and Tiger in that final group and what pressure would Kepka because my friends who were at the tournament said Kepka's crowd was nothing. There was nobody, nobody. following him at all. <laughs> Everybody was with Tiger. It'd be nice to see if I mean Kepka heard the crowds, but it's one thing to be hearing, another thing to actually be with you, tiger.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a big difference there. Uh, the amount of people, just you know, not just that every time you pick your tee up and you look over before you walk down the fairway at your caddy and you've got Tiger Woods standing there just staring you down. Um, that that would <laughs> that would do enough to make me want to fold half the time. I feel like, um, but you know, it, it, it's such a it's such a tough one to say. Is you know would would the, uh, you know. Started the week, the day off, bogey, 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 or or finished with you know four pars instead of a couple birdies coming down the stretch. um You know, I don't, I don't think he would have pulled it off if Tiger, if he and Tiger were playing in the same group. I really don't. Uh, I think that's just a lot to handle for a guy that's never been in that position, uh, and and for anybody, even a guy that's been in that position. I mean. When you've got 30,000 people moving around, you're just you're not used to that no matter who you are. Mm-hmm.
3: Scott, Sean here. I had a quick question in terms of, and you, you brought it up where you said Brooks needed to make a mistake and he just didn't. One thing that I found interesting uh, while he was doing his interviews uh, a- after the round, he said his caddy turned to him, uh, and it was right around, I want to say it was like the 7th, 8th or ninth hole, right around there, right around the turn. His caddy turned to him and said, play like you're losing. How important is that relationship on the course when you're in contention with with the caddy? You know how much, what goes into that dynamic that helped? You know where he flat out said that's what helped me win this this tournament. How how important is that relationship? Uh, it's
2: huge. Um,
3: you know it, it. I mean, to have somebody on the bag that
2: that you just trust with with everything you've got. Um, to be able to to have them look at you and they know they know what fires you up. Yeah. They know what makes you what makes you play to win. They know what you know keeps you focused and keeps you in that positive mindset. Um, Brooks has talked a lot about over the past few weeks in his media calls. Uh, he's talked a lot about uh, he's always kind of playing with the chip on his shoulder. And um, you know I, I think that comment that Caddy made there was really big in in the fact that you know when you're out ahead and you're just kind of cruising like that um, you know I think it's easy to get now well, it, it's easy to get comfortable and and you know with any sport the, as soon as you as soon as you take one playoff you know that's in football that's when you get hurt uh, in basketball that's when you you know you lose your defense that that's in golf that's when you just that three or four seconds of, of lost focus or just not extreme hyper-focus is when you hit just that little errant shot that misses, you know, 10 feet right and kicks down into a bunker, and, and you make an easy bogey instead of an easy birdie. And um, I think Brooks just having having a guy like that on his bag that's, that they've worked so well together and they've won so many times together. I mean, um, you know, we got to look at the – everybody talks about who is this Brooks Kepka guy. He's only yeah. got one tour win. But he's got tons of wins on the European tour. He's got tons of wins that. on the challenge tour. I mean, this is a guy that he doesn't like to lose, and he's not really accustomed to losing, yeah. <laughs> especially when he's in the league. Yeah. You know, I, I think he and Tiger are really cut from the same mold. Um, they Brooks just have not kind of gotten that limelight yet. Yeah.
3: And and I'm happy you mentioned that, uh, you know, because you do see that. I mean, this guy goes out and he plays to win. He's not playing conservative. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, when he talks to the media, this guy is somebody that won 2 out of the last 5 majors coming into this this tournament, okay? After the first round, not one media request. Why do you why do you think that is? You know, this is a guy that's, you know, he's like I said, he's won 2 out of the last 5 majors. Good-looking dude,
0: personable, you'd that, think that they'd be all
3: over. That's him. what I don't understand. You know, what is it about him? Is it a personality thing? Guys on the tour don't like him? The media just Is it because he only has one tour win outside of this, you know, now 3 of 6 uh, of the last majors? You know, what is it about Brooks?
2: You know, I think I think Brooks is. Um, I don't want to put him in the category of Patrick Reed or Bubba Watson, where guys you know are vocal about not liking him because I'm uh, from what I've seen. I don't know Brooks personally, but from what I've seen from guys that I do know, what I've heard is that everybody really likes Brooks. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he's just so much more nonchalant uh than than a lot of the other guys out there. You know, yeah. and and he's just kind of. He's the big guy that hits it far, and he doesn't really he doesn't really do anything super special. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't have a big equipment contract that draws a lot. That of should change soon. So he's not on <laughs> he's not on the commercials. I think, and I really think that may be more of a, as we talk about it here. That may be more of a of a play in it than anything else. Yep. You know, we look at the the four major winners this year. Well, the three major winners, um, Bergeron and Brooks, winning two of them. Uh, none of the guys have. A, an equipment contract. Yeah, uh, they're it's all the You're the free agent, and yeah. I think that the that extra media attention that you know a DJ or Sergio or Tiger get by being on commercials constantly, by being in all of the Golf Digest full page ad, and you know on on all of the different Instagram accounts for the uh, for the equipment manufacturers' sites and everything. That's a that's a huge play into who's popular and who's not, just from, you know, just that osmosis of course. Uh, that, that we get across with being such a media-driven country um, and, 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 and society. And so I, I think that really plays a lot into it. Um, you know, I think if we see Brooks take the big contract with TaylorMade next year and is all of a sudden all over, you know, the front page of Golf Digest and every ad inside of it, social media and everything... I think he starts to become more of a name because of that than he really does because of his play. Yeah,
3: I think they can't ignore him anymore.
2: I mean, that's where we're at. And they can't. They really can't. Um, You know, it's uh, he's he's. It's interesting because you know I follow every every golf Instagram account you can possibly think of, (laughs) and over the last two months, European Tour has had Brooks kind of highlighted on their social media a lot. Um, and yet no, no other Instagram or social media account uh, in the golf world has really highlighted him. you know, over a week after one of his wins. And so it'll be, I think it will be really interesting to see what happens here in December and January when contracts are coming up and who decides to pick who up and what he does and, and how that really changes, uh, the public and the golf world, um, perception of, of, is Brooks
1: kept a star? One last question, Scott. Um, one of the big uh, controversies or commentaries or whatever was the Ryder Cup and how the first eight uh, seeds for the Americans, the first eight players, were picked and set in stone at this tournament. I mean, Kepka, DJ, Justin Thomas, Patrick Reed, Spieth, Fowler, bubba watson and webb simpson all made it and no one's gonna i mean that's a murderer's row right there um i think there's no doubt that tiger and phil will be the the next two and then i guess there's two others that they can add uh, for jim fiorek the captain uh, any guess who the other two players he's going to add will be
2: yeah I'm, re- I'm really glad you brought this up because one thing i wanted to make sure i mentioned here is i, I wanted to give a big congratulations first to uh to Matt Kucher for becoming the uh, vice captain for the Ryder Cup team this Cooch! year. Uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, I, I don't think Tiger is going to be taking that position, and, and I don't think Kucher is going to be getting the nod for for one of the players' picks. Uh, so I think his play this week really Tiger's play really solidified Kucher with the vice captain spot. But um, with the other two positions uh, or two spots on the team, you know, it's really hard to. To not pick Bryson DeChambeau with the year he's having, and and his ability to play match play, you know he's won the USAM, he's played well in all the match play events, uh, and the kid's like, a really gutsy player. You know he's, I think he's good in the locker room. He brings a little bit of a different edge to the locker room uh, that nobody else does, and and you know he played practice round with uh, Tiger and Jim Furyk and Kevin Na on uh, I believe it was the Tuesday or Wednesday. They played a practice round together at uh, PGA this week. Um, I think Bryson's played this week and over the last month has, has really probably solidified his spot. Um, and so it's, it, I really think it's down to, do you pick Kevin Kisner, Kevin Na, or Xander Shotsen? And, uh, and, and, you know, my gut tells me that Kisner is going to get the nod. Um I being a Vegas guy, I, I'd really love to see Kevin Na get it. I think he's been playing really well, um, and Kevin Na's is not the kind of guy that's going to give up a hole. He's a, he's a fighter, and he's got one of the best short games in the game of golf. Um, but, but I I I think it's those, it's down to to those two guys. I just don't I don't think Xander Shoffley gets the nod there.
0: I want to thank you so much for stopping by. He is Scott Deal, our professional golfer and our golf consultant here on Ira on Sports. Seven twenty nine. This is Ira on Sports, True Oldies channel. Mike and Sean here as well. A- Ira, you know, I'll ask you this question. We, I asked it to I'm um, Scott as well. What were you thinking on Sunday? I mean, you're the biggest Tiger fan in the biz. You. Th- probably thought he, was, he had a shot to do this, didn't you?
1: Well, I, I knew he had a shot, but of all the people who had the lead, I didn't want Kepka to have course. it. Yeah. I, it's the only one. I We saw what Jordan Spieth did. I, I, Dustin Johnson melted at the U.S. Open. Uh, Spieth melted at the British Open. Uh, Rory, Rory has his head problems closing constantly. Yeah. I wasn't concerned about anybody else. But Kepka concerned me tremendously. It,
0: he had just ice in his veins. I mean, it looked like he was playing by himself. He wasn't concerned about anything. He was out there playing his game And he played very, very well. Sean, what about you? You think Tiger was going to do it?
3: Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, and it wasn't just did I think he was going to do it. I just wanted him to do it so much, so maybe I was biased in it. Obviously, the drive on 17, I kind of ended it for, for everybody. But yesterday is what makes sports great. I mean, it, it was just everybody was watching. Everybody was rooting for Tiger. I almost felt bad for Brooks. I really like Brooks. Um, I even said, we, we, we were texting each other, and I said, I, I don't want to root against this guy, but I have to right now because I want to see Tiger do this. I just want him to get that one under his belt. Uh, but it's it's just exciting. I mean, I think the biggest winner of all this is just golf as in general. Um, the PGA has to be a status. 69% I think gonna, up over last I mean, year. Yeah. I mean, that that's in, those are insane numbers right there. So the money that's coming in and what's going to be great too is now that you think about that tiger is officially back, right? And we can, we've always 100%. said it, it's coming, but think about when he goes to a tournament now, how the purses are going to go up. Every single player on the tour right now was excited that tiger's back. They're fearful. You know, they don't want to go up against him on a Sunday, but they know if he's in a tournament purses will go up. So I, I just think the world of golf uh, from the fans to the players to, to, to the tour uh, just, just unbelievable and he, it's exciting
0: it's interesting and i i heard this analysis today this is the you know tiger created this monster this whole generation of golfers that he's now having to battle are because of him oh. he made the sport this way now he's got 26 year old kids who are amazing and he's got to fight with them you know pu- pushing 40 years old i wrote one of my favorite things though from the day was after it was over. And who was the first person waiting to shake Brooks's hand? Tiger Woods sitting right there. That the was sportsmanship cool. is so cool.
1: That was so neat because Tiger is, I mean, Brooks is walking, he, he's walking with his girlfriend, they're walking up the stairs, they're going over the path, they're they're going over the bridge that the, the void so they don't have to go walk through the fans. Yeah. And he goes there and out of nowhere, right before he goes into the scores tent, Tiger's right there yeah. I mean it reminded me of like an Empire Strikes Back when they walked in and Darth Vader was standing there not comparing <laughs> Tiger to Darth Vader but it's like oh that's so cool because I can't remember Tiger waiting for doing
0: that. Yeah. like yeah. A, you
1: know, when he lost to Wai Yang I don't think he was there to congratulate Wai Rock Yang Rock
0: immediate maybe he, he celebrated with they were the yeah. only two well
1: <laughs> they were the only two and, uh, but I think that that was so neat and clearly he had a smile on his face yeah. and he you know and, and it was I thought that was a great I'm glad you TV, could tell I'm glad TV caught it and even uh, it was just it was just a great it was a great scene
0: Sean you've mentioned and, um... Brooks has kind of had some weird go-throughs with some of these other players and maybe they don't support him as much as they do some of the other guys.
3: Well, yeah, it's, it, it's weird because when he was off, I mean, and the craziest thing about this is, you know, when I was looking it up, I knew he had hurt his, in uh, his wrist, but we, didn't, I didn't know how bad it was. I mean, this guy almost never played golf again after last year's open championship. A few weeks later, hurt his wrist. Every time he was going to specialist, the diagnosis just kept getting worse. He actually had no ligaments in his, in his wrist, right? Pretty much the ligaments that connected everything that made him move were gone. He had to do a, a bone marrow transplant from his hip that had to take then he had to do two months of uh, plasma uh, injections so he was in a soft cast for two months did pick up a, a golf club for another three months 90 days and then you know another month two months to get back in shape to get back out there and he said you know when he won when he won the open um you know just a few months ago he said it felt like he was dead one he wasn't able to play the sport he loved anymore and it's like no one reached out to him he said only three people reached out to him it was Spieth, bubba and phil you know so that's why I asked Scott, you know, what is it about this guy that, you know, it doesn't seem as if he has the support of the players around him, and then that was also so surprising that Tiger was there, Ricky Fowler was there, um, you know, so he does have the support of the guy, so it is kind of strange why, you know, you have this guy who's won, you know, three out of the past six majors, doesn't even get a media call after the first day of this right. tournament, after being the the reigning two-time uh, U.S. Open champion, at least you might want to talk to the guy, somebody, um, so it's it's kind of perplexing, but Kudos to Brooks, um, phenomenal, and and that was great gesture by by Tiger. But you know, we also want to mention Ricky too because you know Ricky's one of the best guys on the on the tour for stuff like that.
0: Speaking of Ricky and pretty much, I mean, if you looked at the leaderboard on Sunday morning, you were looking at it like this is going to be a fun day of golf. But there was something that stood out uh, amongst most of these guys, Ira, and you nailed it. In you know, we were texting all day. This was like the <laughs> Jupiter Open. I, I mean, these so many of these guys live in our backyard, and they were the, you know the top golfers this weekend.
1: Forget the Ryder Cup. I think there should be the West Palm Beach versus the rest of the the world. world. Yeah, Because you can get Brooks, Tiger, Rory, Justin Thomas, Daniel Berger, Ricky Fowler. And, okay, put those guys against everybody else in the world. I mean, that's what it should be. It should be the West Palm Beach versus the rest Mm. of the world.
0: You know, taking a look at the— And they would win. (laughs) Oh, it'd be be interesting to watch. Um, Ira, what do we have? Maybe five or six tournaments left— Tell us about the schedule going forward, and you think there's a win in here for Tiger somewhere?
1: Well, it's going to be weird what, how he decides to do. Um, they have a week off while they're playing the Wyndham, which is very few of the star players play, play after this event. And then they have, there's four tournaments, Northern Trust in Paramus, New Jersey, the Dell Technologies in Boston, the BMW in Newton Square in Boston, and then the Tour Championships in Atlanta. And the fields get widowed down as it goes on. But you don't have to play in all the tournaments. You can Some of the golfers can sit out and still accumulate enough points. The question is, is Tiger going to want to play, or any of the other golfers going to want to play, four straight tournaments now next year this all changes there will only be two fedex championship events and then the tour championships and everyone will have to play those three events that's why the schedule is changing it's going to be in august so it'll be very interesting i I doubt Tiger's going to play in four tournaments in a row. Yeah,
3: I would. Um, I, would and I doubt, doubt any
1: that. one of them will. I, I'd be shocked if any of these guys plays in four tournaments in a row. And then you have the tour championships, and then you have the Ryder Cup in September. So I, I want to say one thing about Scott, about what Scott said. I sort of disagree with his. Uh, I don't know if Bryson DeChambeau is the perfect, maybe in America, but he's a hothead. And Definitely. when he's over in Eng- when he's over in Europe playing, <laughs> they are going to catcall him. Yeah. And I've I've seen him personally walking down that fairway and someone screaming at him, and he's saying yelling at the at the spectators, telling them to drink more beer and what's your problem, and yelling back at the spectators. Mm. I saw it. He lets them get to him. Yeah. English- and 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 I think the English fans know that. I mean, I think it's for the European fans. Oh, uh, yeah, that. of course. And I don't know if he's the right guy. And he had a chance to make the cut and he on the 18th hole on uh, on Saturday uh, missed a 5 foot putt and that made him go plus 1 and he missed the cut by that point. Um, I like of one golfer, I think they should really consider is Tony Finau because yes. the way they have it is yes. Tony had ten birdies on Saturday. 10 yeah, he birdies. played fantastic. And you need a golfer when you play the alternate balls and best ball. Whereas, yeah, you're he, Tony's going to get the triple bogeys and the quadruple bogeys. But as long as he's playing with somebody else, who is at least going to get a par in the <laughs> hole, you need someone who's going to birdie those holes and get those wins. I think, and he's also young. I think Tony Finau, and he seems to be a personable guy. Yeah, he does. And he's the one who won the Masters, went and hit the shot, and then twisted his ankle. and didn't yeah. think he was going to play. So I. <laughs> I would played like, well I would like I mean and I, the whole debate should like Tiger be on the Ryder Cup team well first of all he's only in like ninth or 10th place now so clearly Tiger and Phil I think that was just ridiculous that that was even a debate but they're cl- clearly on the team but I think Finau should take one of the other spots and then boy it's up there's a lot of uh, candidates for the other one it, yeah?
0: it's exciting because I haven't really looked forward to the Ryder Cup in recent years as we were just been getting you know beat down by, by, the, by the rest of the world this is going to be a good one and we look great 737 it's Ira on yeah, Sports 95.9 true oldies channel Mike and Sean are here as well. We'll talk baseball in just a minute. You should know that uh, Severino versus DeGrom, two uh, Cy Young candidates facing off uh, in New York today. Ahmed Rosario led off the game with a solo shot, and then uh, Brandon Nimmo scored on a single. Mets are up two to nothing early getting to Severino. Um, Real quick, just two uh, minor injuries today. Antonio Brown left practice. Ira, this is not a big deal, though, they're saying.
1: He said it's not a big deal, but he's, he hasn't practiced a lot. So, I mean, I mean both uh, – he's only g- gone to a few practices. He had an, an injury that was, quote, undisclosed. Now he has this little injury. Uh, for someone who was an Man, didn't miss any games at all except for the, the time uh, he was hurt by Cincinnati on that horrendous play. Um, <laughs> he, and then the last year's injury at the uh, – he's really played almost every game in, in, in number in six years. But I don't like the fact that you have a lot of these minor injuries right now.
0: Sean, you were very quick to jump at me uh, today yeah. with Saquon Barkley, my Giants uh, – Stud, first-round pick, left practice. But this doesn't look too bad either.
3: No, I want to just give you a heart attack, Mike. They said it's just a slight hamstring pull. uh, pull. He'll probably be back, I would estimate, because if I was them right now, I'd put him in bubble wrap, um, put a helmet on him, pads on him. But uh, I think he'll be back at practice either Wednesday or Thursday.
0: Let's talk about the Dolphins for just a minute. And I feel like Ryan Tannehill is a very polarizing person. A lot of Dolphins fans think he's terrible. And a lot of Dolphins fans think that he is still the future here after missing all of last season. Um, at practice earlier, they have a rookie running back, fourth rounder named Kalen Bellage. Um He missed a block horribly. Let uh, let him just get let Tannehill just get destroyed. Tannehill then, you know, kicked him out of the huddle, which you don't see all that often, especially from quarterbacks like Ryan Tannehill who do, don't really have that um, the Tom Brady level of respect around the league. What do you think, Ira? Does Ryan didn't have the right to be throwing rookies out of huddles.
1: Well, I think that's what they want him to do. They want yeah. him to be a leader. Um, Aaron Rodgers did the same thing, putting all his wide receivers under the bus. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that that's what Andrew Gaze wants uh, Ryan Tannehill to be. It's the type type of person. Well, he can throw rookies out of the huddle, but he's better complete passes and he's better lead them to victories. And I just you don't, I'm not sold on these Dolphins having a great year. But uh, I think that's what you're. I think you're. I think it was almost like an example. They wanted to make an example of Belage.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think the Dolphins are gonna have a great year either. Especially you know they got rid of their three best players in any. Season. Yeah. Um so it's it's gonna be tough, especially you know, they weren't great last year anyways. You know, granted Jake Culler was under the helm. Sean, what do you think? Ryan Tannehill should be throwing people out of huddles?
3: Of course. And, and the fact that it's a rookie or whoever it is, at the end of the day that's his team he's the quarterback that's what the quarterbacks are supposed to do do you think that's the first time a player a quarterback in this training camp has thrown a player out of the huddle it just goes you know it, it just goes unreported because it's it is an Aaron Rodgers or whoever it is where the reason why this is a story because it is Ryan Tannehill is he a franchise quarterback what is he um, they're looking for a story in Miami right now because there's not much to be there because of all the uh, subtractions that they've had I, I like it uh, he deserves to do it this is a quarterback, too, has had two knee injuries, the reason why Bellage was throwing out is because he missed the block. If I'm a quarterback, hey, you better keep me safe or you don't get to be on the field. This is not, you know, oh, you know, miss a rep and, and that's it. It was probably a mental lapse. He called it out. That's what he's supposed to do, and he's protecting his own backside. So uh, good for Tannehill. Cleveland
0: Browns are going to be, I think, an interesting team this year. I, I, don't, yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I can see them winning six, seven, maybe even eight games, and a lot of that's going to ride on the back of the number one overall draft pick, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, another very polarizing guy. Um, A lot of people think he's too small, bad, you know, off-the-field issues that aren't great. But Ira, he's looking pretty good so far.
1: He's looking great. He had a great first preseason game. um, But the coach keeps – Hugh Jackson keeps saying – you know, Taylor's going to start. It's not going to be... It's not Taylor's be. a decent quarterback. And I... But it, the, the, it's building now for Baker. I mean, yeah. I, if you watch hard knocks, I mean, they love him. I mean, they just talk about how great he is. I mean, I know this awesome. is, It's a TV show, but they're building him up. Uh, they also have a lot invested. They were criticized for the draft pick. They were criticized of for course. picking him so early. But from all indications, this is not Johnny Manziel. I mean, this is the opposite. He's first one in, last one to leave, working hard, uh, gets along with all the players. But everything you saw at Oklahoma anyway, like I wasn't... I never compared him to Johnny Manziel because he seemed to be, his teammates loved him at Oklahoma. So um, I think, I think I, he, I still think he's going to get good start game one.
0: Uh, Sean, what about you? Baker Mayfield, did the Browns finally hit on a quarterback after 20 years?
3: Listen, I know it's preseason, 200, 212 yards, two TDs. Um, I, I, I've talked about this in length. I think you have to start him. This is what it's going to come down to. They're going to have the second game. He'll get a little bit more reps. He'll probably play two full quarters. Um, and then it comes down to that week three. I would not be surprised if Baker Mayfield comes out with the first team and they'll say, oh, well, it's just to see what he looks like with the ones. If he comes out and he starts week a week three preseason comes out with the ones it's his job to lose. And depending on how he performs, which I think he will going against all the other number ones on the other side, um, I, I think he. I think it's. You have to do it now. You've invested too much. He's shown it. He's taken to the playbook. If they didn't. If, if he wasn't involved in the playbook, he wouldn't have played as much as he did in week one. He absolutely balled out. But not to take away from Tyrod Taylor too. I mean, he had one drive, four plays, sixty-six yards, touchdown pass to David Njoku, the second year tight end out of the University of Miami, who that kid impressed too. He had actually two touchdowns, one of uh, Baker's. But I just think Baker's too good. He's shown it. The team is in love with him. That's why they went out and they. If if anybody had a mock draft and had Baker going number 1 they were crazy. The fact that they pulled that trigger this is the guy stardom you got a good team around him what a better way to learn than getting actual NFL action.
0: Uh somebody that you know a lot of people thought should have went number 1 overall before last year's college football season started Sam Darnold was consensus number 1 before the season Guy looked really good, and you know I hate to to hype up the Jets, and they they have a, you know really bad history of not developing people or people just you know careers going there to die. But he was good. I think eleven for thirteen, hundred yards and a touchdown. Ira, you think Darnold is the solution for the Jets? And it
1: looks like he's gonna start from yeah, everything I out of Jets yeah. camp. Is he's gonna start? He was thirteen of 18, 96 yards, a touchdown. Um, it looks like he's gonna start. But also, I think the Jets had a sneaky great move because they played Teddy Bridgewater, uh, the former Minnesota. Uh, quarterback, and he was 7 of 8, 85 yards. He looked great, too. And He's, he's someone they could trade for a second-round draft pick because if they I think they're going to keep playing him in the preseason. Then People are going to say, yep. wow, this Teddy Bridgewater could be— and you know that a quarterback's going to get hurt. Someone's going to be it be a disaster on one of these teams, and some team is desperately going to need Bridgewater, and they have Josh McGowan as their backup to Darnell. So it's perfect. But I give the Jets credit for drafting Sam Darnell and for signing Teddy Bridgewater. Uh,
0: well, I think there's a steal on Bridgewater yeah. uh, considering they got him for, I think it was a seventh-round or sixth-round pick. They got nothing. Yeah, like a seventh-round conditional. Yeah, I, I mean, heard. they gave up nothing for him, and you're right, Ivan. Mean, there's going to be an injury to a playoff team week three or four, and everyone's going to be knocking on the door for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Sean, what do you think? Darnold, this guy's the real deal?
3: Yeah, I think definitely Darnold's the real deal. Same thing yet again. They made that trade. They jumped up into that spot without knowing really who was there, um, who would be there. I guess they had to have known Baker was going um, uh, number one, and they have a good enough relationship with the guys across the street with the Giants to know they were picking Barkley. So definitely went out on a limb to get him, but looked the part. I don't think you gain anything from playing Josh McCown. I know i to my Jet fan friends, and they say, Oh, well, you know, we have a, a decent, we have a sneaky good defense. We got some players around him. No, you got to start the young kid. I like Iris' point about Bridgewater. And here's a little food for thought: Tampa Bay Bucks trading for Teddy Bridgewater, finally getting rid of the headache that is Jameis Winston and taking that team that, that people were projecting to take the next step last year. And and with the additions that they made to Sean Jackson, getting the uh Hamilton the the wide receiver from uh Penn State last year in the draft, uh, the running back that they drafted this year. I mean I think I, 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 if I was Tampa Bay, I would entertain that idea. No one's talking about
0: that. No, absolutely. And I mean, uh, he's out for four games, so you know you, you're going to start off the season. Their first four games are three losses, even with
1: Winston.
3: Uh, they're starting Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, this who is- knows the offense can get him through four games, but yet again, why not get out of that fifth year team option? Get out of the way of Jameis. He's already had a suspension. There's got to be something that they can do to recoup some money off, at least based off of this sal uh, this year's salary, and and give up. I don't know. I don't know if Bridgewater could get us. A a, a second round pick Only because the knee injury Was so significant But if you toss out a fourth The Jets would take that In a heartbeat
0: I I would think so Going into camp There's always rookies that, That impress And Ira you've got a list here Of guys that you're Really keeping your eye on But first Sean Why don't you tell us A little bit about Shaquem Griffin
3: Shakeen Griffin, as you know, the story throughout the draft uh, born with a, a condition that left him um, with only one hand, his brother is the cornerback uh, st- uh, st- starting rookie quarterback uh, cornerback last year for the Seattle Seahawks absolute explosive talent. I, when they were going through all this, and when you look at his tape, I don't care about the disability, if you would even call it a disability. I mean, this guy is going to be a stud in this league. He is the fastest guy on the field at all times. I mean, he won't even be in screen and all of a sudden, he's hes coming out of nowhere to sack a quarterback or or make an open field tackle on a swing pass to a running back. I mean, this guy, he plays so violent, he plays reckless, and it's exciting to watch him. Came out, had an interception In his first game I mean it's just The feel good story Continues First guy there To celebrate with him His brother So I just I I think it's unbelievable Um, But you're really seeing What I don't know how he lasted As far as he did I understand the disability But when you put on the tape Wow I mean this guy's unbelievable
0: Ira you're pretty high On Shaquem Griffin
3: Oh, he's phenomenal, phenomenal, and it's a great
1: story. It's what it's a it's a feel-good story for the NFL. I mean, Seattle's had all these problems, and everyone's complaining, and Earl Thomas is holding out, and Richard Sherman left and criticized him. But when you have a guy like Kirk Sh- Hill Griffin on the team, that's tremendous.
0: Um, Ira, you're a big fantasy guy, so am I. One of the things you have to look out for is these rookies because you never know who's going to be the next um, Kareem Hunt, who's going to come in and you know be a stud that you can get in the later rounds. You think Royce Freeman could be that this year?
1: Um, for Denver, he's been looking good and I think that that's a, that's a lineup where they're good. They, you know Denver likes to run after Terrell Davis went down for years Cheers. it seems like whoever they put in at running back would be like the number yeah. one running back. Um, there was a big injury though this past week, Darius Geis for Washington Shit. Redskins. Uh, people thought he was going to be a super stud and they said he would be like Kareem Hunt for uh, because Alex Smith is the quarterback, Washington's mm-hmm. going to run the ball a lot, be conservative, carry the ball and he tore his ACL. It's,
3: it's sad because he's unbelievable. I, I, Personally think he was better than Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette, that last year when he was there, you know, I'm not saying he was faking injuries, but obviously he's being very precautious. Uh, Darius uh, Geese came in and absolutely balled out. Last year, balled out. There was a little character concerns. He seems to be a little eccentric, but he doesn't seem like a guy that would actually be a problem off the field. Devastating blow because I, even though a a Dallas Cowboy fan, can't stand the Redskins. I was excited to see this kid play. I hate the Redskins.
1: Yeah, and I think he would have been a – that's who I was going to pick for fantasy. I thought like a sixth or seventh round fantasy player um, because you want someone who's going to be the dominant – like Kareem Huntley was last year. He's a bowling ball. That's what he is. Last year, I was deciding between Delvin Cook from Minnesota, from out of Florida State, and Kareem Hunt, and then Cook got hurt. Now this, now we know he's hurt. Cook got hurt in the third game, and he looked game, good. So he looked great, but he, he's back this year, so he, and he, I can draft him again if I want. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Seven forty nine, Ira on sports, 95.9 true. All these channel. Mike and Sean here as well. Let's switch gears to baseball, Yankees. What are they? Uh, 30 games over 500 and about a dozen games out of the division. <laughs> it's just absolutely ridiculous how good Boston is. Ira, any chance of catching Boston? Let me give you this stat Chris Sale in his last seven starts, ERA, 0.2. Yeah. 0.2 ERA. You can, you Not 2.0, that's point two. Yeah, point two zero 20 <laughs> ERA. That's absurd. Irie, given the Yanks any shot here, or is this wild card? Oh,
1: they have no shot at all. Uh, the question is I think it's a good question is that the record for wins is 116. Seattle did a 2001. The Yankees had a 114 in 1998. Um, they have, they're 85 and 35. five. Eighty. I mean, that's like crazy. Video game numbers. They're 50 <laughs> games out of the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. Um, there's 42 oh. games left. They have to go 32 and 10. I the question is, will they push it? The one thing in baseball is you got to keep playing. I mean, that's. I think the Dodgers last year played poorly at the end, but I, I, the players you can't just sit players for a week like like in I guess basketball you can rest them. I mean, these guys have still got to play to stay in. They can't just say, oh, we're not going to pitch Sale the whole last month of the season. Mm-hmm. So they still have a good shot of breaking that record. And uh, I, what was exciting last week was that they were beat Baltimore. Evaldi got destroyed in the first inning. Yeah. He gave up like eight runs. So he had a terrible start, but they end up winning the game 19-12. So they win Amazing. a 19-12 game. But then the next night they beat Baltimore 5 0 behind David Price, uh, pitching like a one or two hitter. So the point is they can win any way. They can if you want to go score to first one to 20 wins, they'll win that game. <laughs> and if you want to win one nothing, they'll win that.
0: No, they're. I love that they buck the trend, too. Every other team wants home run or bust guys. Maybe not wants it, but that's how the league's going. They're just going to throw a bunch of 300 hitters that steal bases and hit yeah. situationally at you, and they're destroying people. Yankees could win 105 games and not make the playoffs by losing that wild card game just because of how good this team is. Speaking of the Yankees, uh, Severino versus DeGrom tonight. It's 2 nothing right now, and that's typically all Jacob DeGrom needs to win a game. Uh, they're in the bottom of the second there in New York. Ira? DeGrom, Cy Young winner on an awful Mets team? What do you
1: think? He's six and I mean it just shows you what the people think about win totals. I mean when we were younger, it was yeah. like twenty some wins. You had to win bit. He's six and seven. He's won six games. He's not, He might not win ten games, and he's going to win the Cy Young without being a starter and not winning ten games. Um, it's just amazing with saber with a uh, metrics and and uh, computer analysis and and those things. But he's a great pitcher, and uh, I think the Mets were smart not trading him and to build around him. There's an excellent article in the Post this week about how the Mets should really start to say let's let's we're in a big ballpark. Let's have an odd team. Instead of trying to hit home runs all the time, let's have a team that's going to, uh, steal bases and drive runs in
0: old, old national league baseball. That's kind of gotten away. Um, I think the last one, Sean, was probably Felix Hernandez, one with more losses than wins on a terrible Mariners team, but he was lights out. Sean, are you given if the season ended today, is the Grom your NL yeah, Cy
3: you bring up a good point with Felix. I remember there was a year, and I don't know if Clemens won it, but I just remember that year that he, he had uh, more losses than wins when he was with the Astros, but his ERA was like sub-two. He led the league in strikeouts, mm-hmm. and I still don't think they gave it to him. So I don't see how you give it to him over Chris Sale, who's just dominating I mean, who's just having a great year? I know when you look at the numbers, well, NL. The era, um, oh NL, correct. Well, but even Scherzer—that's that's, uh, that's yeah, who I was yeah, Scherzer, who yet again has another you know outing that he's got thirteen strikeouts, seven innings. I mean, the guy's just mowing people down. So if if Scherzer can continue to pitch this way for the way out, uh, for the, the rest of the year. And on top of it, somehow, some way, get the Nationals uh, into the playoffs. I think. I think it goes to Scherzer. Dunk. Dunk shot.
0: Uh, Ira, this was an interesting trade deadline because there was a lot of moves made and a lot of big name pitchers moved around. A lot of smaller guys too that are uh, that are paying dividends already. What do you think was the best or most important move of the trade deadline? <laughs>
1: I don't I – there's been a lot of moves. I, 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 We talked about this last week about Hamels. Yeah. Uh, last night, he pitched a one-hitter. I mean, he, seven innings pitch, one hit, one run. Scherzer has seven innings, three hits, and they end up uh, winning in a grand slam at, at the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, I think Hamels is a big-time pitcher. He's been – Playing in Texas, where no one cared about anything, yeah. I think it. Uh, I think this was. I think that was a big signing, and I think the Cubs, the National League, is the only teams that are that are eliminated are the Mets, Marlins, Reds, and Padres. Everyone else, even the Pirates, if they went on a run, mm-hmm. could make the playoffs. They were
0: buyers at the deadline.
1: <laughs> the one team that sort of that looks like the Red Sox, Yankees, Astros, A's. Uh, the only one team that really looks good is the Cubs, and I think that. So if, I think the Cubs are going to be. Hamels is going to be your game two. Starter. Uh, yeah. I think that. So I think Hamels is the big, the big
3: move.
0: Sean, but. what about you? Any moves that uh, stand out as being difference makers?
3: Well, obviously the Machado. I mean, that's that solidifies that team, that lineup. But I think it's more or less the moves that weren't made. I mean, DeGrom are the Mets willing to commit to him? Uh, Bryce Harper. I mean, I have no idea how the Nationals. It's they must be in love somehow. With that team and saying, hey, we still have a shot to get in. But what really, like, what are you playing for there when you can get it and get real value for the guy? He's walking away. I mean, I think that was the biggest noise or, or Mike Rizzo
0: must know he's saying I, I, I
3: well, don't it understand it doesn't, doesn't make any yeah. sense I mean they could have got some high end prospects they have some young guys coming up now uh, that they would still be a team that could compete in that division without Bryce and then load up um uh, with, some, with some young talent so I still think that was just the biggest biggest head scratcher to me
0: you know speaking of moves that don't really make any sense I love Derek Jeter. I mean, like to the point of like man crush. Like I'll name my son Derek. But I have no idea, Ira, what he's doing with these Miami Marlins. He's shipping off their players. This guy, Mackenzie Mills, isn't even in the top hundred prospects. Justin Bohr, granted, he's not the you know the the end all be all at first base. The guy can play though. He's an addition to any team. Justin Bohr shipped off to the Phillies for prospect Mackenzie Mills.
1: Do you think that Jeter knows what he's doing, Ira? Like, do these moves make sense to you? Well, they have the worst record in the National League. Um, they, Yelich is potentially for the Milwaukee is going to be the MVP of the National League. Is isn't going to get tender for it, and then Stanton has twenty nine home runs. And Asuna, who I thought was going to have this great year for our Cardinals, is really not having that good a year. Um, and but then to trade Warren, and I I'm like I didn't know what he made he made three point four million. Yes, it was a
0: friendly contract. And he
1: is on the first year of an arbitration. He's he's a first year arbitration player. So it's not like he has this ridiculous contract. He had 19 home runs, 54 RBIs. Why, why get rid of a player that you know and for for nothing? It doesn't make any sense at all. They have the worst record. I, I that's a total head scratcher. I thought he was on an expiring contract or that uh, when I went and looked at the contracts, I I said like why would they get rid of someone mm-hmm.
0: like that? You know, it. it made Made no sense to me, and I like him as a player. I mean, he, hes a gamer. It doesn't help that he's, you know, only gets three at bats a game because they—they ne- never bat through more than three times. He's got nobody on base in front of him ever. Sean, uh, you love Jeter too. Do you understand what's going on here?
3: No, I mean, uh, unless it's a complete strip down, change the culture, you know, and 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 really truly hit a reset button. I mean, there is no other explanation for it. Outside of that. I mean, and that's what it has to be. I know that in the past few months, they've signed something like uh, 12 to 13 international players, more than half of them coming from the Dominican Republic. So I don't know if they're trying to build that way, Um, you know, get young players on the cheap. Uh, But but this team, we're not we're not going to know. If what he's doing is going to work for at least another three to four years, I mean that that's truly what it's going to take. But when he is jettisoning these people off, it's not like he's getting super uber talents back. You're not trading Chapman for Gleyber Torres. I mean that that's (laughs) that's not what's happening here. So I understood the stand, even though I felt like he could have got more. But you know, it 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 was more just salary shed. We have no chance to compete, and we're paying this guy's the highest paid player in the league right now. You know, so um, I, I just I think you can't judge. Right now, you can, but I don't know what the finished product is, but it's going to take about three to four years before we see that.
0: That that brings me to Ira's point, though, about like, this was a really friendly contract. $3.4 million in today's baseball. It's not a lot of money. Uh, I mean, so to be giving him up for a guy that's you know not even in the top ten in the Phillies organization uh, as far as prospects go just really doesn't make any sense to me. He did say, though, that he's keeping JT Real Muto. <laughs> that's, right. that's the big splash out of Marlon's camp that JT Real Muto's not going anywhere. Great Dude. player. But I mean, at this point, trade him too. What's what's the point of, of keeping anybody? Like you said, I think this is a total strip down. Seven fifty-seven. Ira on sports. True, Oldies channel. Mike and Sean here as well. We're gonna go over. We always do. Let's move to basketball. Ira, it was solidified today, I believe. My boy Carmelo Anthony going to the Rockets on a one-year deal. This is like a made-for-TV movie. Ira,
1: <laughs> this is the Kardashians. I <laughs> they I I lived in New York, and 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 when. Carmelo and and Mike D'Antoni, who's the coach, couldn't stand each other. Hated each other. Mello, Carmelo went into the front office sanity, and baby. said and said and said, "You either I won't play if you don't fire him. It's either me or him." And what and they clearly they would fight on the sidelines they would fight on the court they'd fight in the locker room they would't talk to each other uh, he was so f- mad when Jeremy Lynn was playing so great and it took away from Carmelo getting the ball so much and he was furious about that now I know people say well there's Chris Paul on the team and he'll soothe but what if Chris Paul gets hurt what if <laughs> I I I don't see this move. I mean, this is, this is, is a great player. It might fit in with the thing, but the fact that they had such, they did not get along. This was not, now D'Antoni's spun this a little, but as someone who followed the Knicks every game, this this was as, as hostile a coach player relationship yeah. as I can ever remember
3: you're absolutely yeah. right the, the biggest difference from now to then is he's not the leader of this team Chris Paul is that leader James Harden. he's there. still a
0: no defense ball stopper which uh, doesn't fit D'Antoni uh,
3: of course but but where they're going to be looking to him and, it, and it's going to be we're here at all time Olympic mellow right? Sit in the corner. We'll hit you with open jump shots. That's what was asked of Trevor Ariza. I don't like the move because I don't, I never would have got rid of Ariza to beat the, the Warriors. You don't need more points. This team led the league in points, highest average, highest field goal percentage. They, Need defense, and to you know subtract Ariza. Granted, I'd rather have mellow shooting um, prowess as opposed to Ariza, but that defense is is majorly huge. But in terms of the relationship between D'Antoni and Carmelo, they're at different points. I mean, he's at a different point in his career where there aren't those demands. He he doesn't get to be that guy. He was a forgotten guy in the Thunder locker room. So you know now when you have a leader like Chris Paul, you have an MVP candidate, the MVP winner James Harden. I mean, you're the third guy in that roster. Roster, you know, on that roster now, I just don't see the the dynamic between D'Antoni and Melo being. A problem now, as opposed to back
0: then. Nah, I can already see it the the lackadaisical defense. He's going to not hustle at all on some play coming back, and then Tony's going to lose it on him, like we saw with the. Knicks well, the issues weren't over on the, and over again.
3: Yeah, but they weren't with defense. It was that he was the ball stopper, as you see in terms of this offense. It's they a lie little. high, pick and pop. He's playing a role within that offense where I don't see. He's going to stand there. He gets the ball. He's supposed to shoot it. I mean, that's it. He's not dribble driving. They might put him in the post a little bit, but in my opinion, where that is, I mean, he's just a different player. Or asked to do a different thing, which he kind of did in Oklahoma City. Did we hear anything from Melo having words with uh, Billy Donovan? You know that I, I just I just don't see that happening again. And and those issues were solely on the offensive side, not on the defensive side.
0: Ira, right, well, let's switch gears to tennis. Your boy Rafi Nadal wins the Rogers Cup.
1: Well, it's a big tournament. They're, they play the Rogers cup is a 1000 series event. And then they put playing in Cincinnati this week. And, uh, the takeaways from this tournament, they play, the men play in Toronto and the women play in Montreal. But in the third round, he played Stan Wawrinka, who has won three majors too. And, and, it was a great match. I watched the whole match, and it was Stan Wawrinka is a tremendous, tremendous tennis player. As I said, he's, he beat Nadal in the final of the Australian Open. He's beat Djokovic in the final of the French. He's a tremendous player. It was it was a it was seven five seven six a great match. And the story of the tournament was Stefanos to to Cephas, <laughs> who is a Greek player who's nineteen years old, who beat Djokovic and made it to the finals against Nadal. And he looked good, and he's he's very has a lot of flash and flair and fun, and uh, and it's it'll be interesting to see how if this, if this was just a one off tournament or if this, he might make a run. So they play this week in Cincinnati. Federer, uh, Murray just lost, so he's coming back, but Djokovic's in this tournament. Nadal's in it. They play in Cincinnati. They're going to take a week off, and then the U.S. Open starts.
0: Let's talk about you know good friend of this show, Francois Tiafoe. Um, I believe he picked up a win over the weekend as well.
1: Well, he won. He had a great win against my, uh, Ronick who was formerly one of the top ten players in the world from Canada, and then he lost in three sets to Dimitrov, the fifth-seeded player in the world, uh, because, and he had match points, at, like two or three match points, so it was really frustrating. Oh, so close. I mean, he's playing well. He's just as what is... You're just getting tough draws, so...
0: Let's move on to the NCAA. We just a couple of minutes left here at IRA on Sports. Um, Sean, I believe there's some new evidence against Urban Meyer, and this is not looking good.
3: No. So they put him on administrative leave. It just keeps coming back that there's more evidence to that he knew. So even the stance of that he's taken is that, well, I found out through this channel. There's three different channels now that have said that he was made aware of it before the 2015 incident. I – Always rooted for a guy like Urban Meyer, even though he ripped my heart out when he left the University of Florida. But I, I always love the coach. I just think he's a great coach. He's won everywhere. He's had great quarterbacks everywhere he played. Utah State with Alex Smith, Tebow in Florida, and then obviously all the you know, the the guys that he's brought along in Ohio State and what he's he brought that program back, but at this point, I mean, it's I root for the coach. I can't root for this guy. When all the, the stories came out about what Percy Harvin had done at Florida, Aaron Hernandez with multiple arrests, I mean, it was just – he created a culture where it's, it's the Wild Wild West and winning is above everything. At some point – you know when you sit down you go into these families homes and you talk to these parents kids you're talking about hey i'm gonna make this person a man i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and there's a lot of integrity that goes into that conversation they look at that person they trust this person with their child and to hear stuff like this coming out i mean it's just it's saddening because i like i said i, I there always be a place in my heart for urban meyer man brought two championships to, to the to the florida program so uh, but after this i mean it's the guy's made his millions he needs to be fired and no one needs to give him a, a job again because of the news and everything that's come out of Florida, now also at Ohio State, I mean, he, he's he's got to be done.
1: Ira, what are you thinking? Urban Meyer career over? No, I don't think it is. I think I think if it was going to happen, it was going to happen yeah. fast. I think it doesn't happen now. I think when you saw with Patino, it happened a lot quicker. I think they're doing, they're trying, they're going to investigate, they're doing this. They'll be done next week. It'll be interesting, but. I, I think they're going to look at it, and say, look, he he did his duty. He reported the he reported what he knew. He followed through, and uh, I think he's going to hang on. I, I think if they were going to do it, they were going to do it but early enough, they would have moved it out. But uh, the, they seem to be wanting to keep him. They I, want yeah. to keep him, but also like he reported to the AD now the athletic director and there are a lot of people in the administration and also the entire staff. They're not going to fire quote their entire staff, their coach, the athletic director, the whole athletic department. I mean, he wasn't the only one who knew. There's so many people who knew course, about so. the issues, and they can't get rid of. Mean, everybody yeah. and I think they're going to say yeah. look maybe I one or two game suspension but I think he stays in I think DJ Durkin of Maryland gets fired yes 100% I don't think that Urban Meyer gets fired and,
3: and, and Urban Meyer like I said I don't think he gets fired either I just think you have to. I think at this point it's too much, and it, they are the Ohio State University, and I don't know if they're going to hit a reset like that, but, I mean, it, it's at a point where the evidence is just overwhelming, and there will be uh, civil lawsuits to the university and, and specific people for knowing this not reporting and allowing it to, uh, to continue. So um, I think it's unfortunate. I don't think he gets fired. I think he should, and the, the coach at Maryland, that's that's a whole other situation, and that guy should have never been put on leave. He should have been fired the day that everything happened with that young man.
0: Ira, one of the things that it kind of irks me about college football – is that at the beginning of the year? There's so many eighty-two to three blowouts, Bama beating FIU and stuff like this. But <laughs> the first weekend of NCAA action is actually going to be pretty intense. Well, it's cool.
1: I mean, I I get I love college football, so I mean, I'm like looking ahead. And yeah, Penn State's playing Appalachian State. The first game is Duquesne at UMass, August 25th at 5:30. Um, Northwestern plays Purdue, August 30th, Thursday night game. It's weird that the Big Ten schedule it starts in an August, but there are some huge, games. huge yeah. games. Games that first week, uh, September first, Washington versus Auburn. I mean, two top ten teams in Atlanta. Tennessee versus West Virginia in Charlotte, and then of course Michigan at Notre Dame, which can't get much bigger than that at Notre Dame. These other ones are more neutral sites: Alabama, Louisville, and Orlando. Uh, September second is Miami versus LSU, and in Dallas, yeah. and then Virginia Tech is going to be at Florida State on September third. So it's a, there's a, those are some really good games to start the season.
3: Yeah, no, and, and, and the, the key being that, uh, the Miami versus LSU in uh, at AT&T stadium, uh, Jerry World. Schedule. yeah. And it's, it's, if you go back that game every year, right? So that's the Advocare classic. So last year I'm a Gator fan. That was Michigan, Florida year before Alabama, USC year before that, Alabama, Wisconsin, Florida state, Oklahoma state, LSU versus TCU. I mean, Michigan versus Alabama, that game every year is, is two top 10, you know, teams going at it. So, um, you don't see it a lot, but you usually see one or two games to start the year and that LSU Miami game is going to be phenomenal.
1: And it's important because a lot of these games it, now that it goes into the the College Football Playoff, they they matter. I mean, yeah, you those have a, this is a win. They're looking at this win over Appal- then the Appalachian yeah. State win. So these are really important games and also remember when Florida State a couple years ago lost that first game and yeah. Francois got hurt and their injuries to their quarterbacks and their team got injured and it could set the whole team in a downward spiral. Yep. Yep. So, uh I think it's it it's, I think these games are awesome. And, and
3: another point on that game, though, too, for the reason why this team's taken, obviously, the money that goes into it. I mean, it's got its own essential classic name to it, the Advocare Classic. I mean, so there's a lot of dollars that go to these universities. But whoever wins that game, Miami or LSU, has the entire year now to make up for it. And voters' minds, that game happened. Oh, it was the first game of the season. They can talk themselves into a team if they lose that first game. So there is a plus to that. There is a plus to that game. Let's
0: uh let's wrap it up, guys. This has been an amazing show. We've had so much fun. Scott Deal, want to thank him so much for stopping
1: by, our pro golfer. Ira, where are you headed this week? Um, I might I think I might see some baseball games this week. I'm not sure where, but I'm gonna be in LA and <laughs> might see some Dodger games. It sounds like fun.
0: Like I said, we are out of time. Thank you so much for popping by Ira on Sports on behalf of Sean and Ira. I'm Mike. Let's catch up next Monday night, Ira on Sports.